0: This episode is going to be a delight. I can already tell since we are
1: going to be discussing the highlights from the past year, from makes to new skills that we've learned. We're also going to be discussing our focus for 2024, things that we wanted to discuss and haven't gotten to yet, as well as fashion exhibits for the new year that we are already itching to get on our calendars. Hello
0: and welcome to Threaded Together, a podcast that stitches together home sewing and
1: high fashion. We're your hosts, I'm Tracy and I'm Rebecca and in today's episode we'll be reflecting on 2023 and also looking forward to 2024. This is our 12th episode for Threaded Together and our final episode for 2023 and our first season of the podcast Mm -hmm. and we are so excited to have you. And we are thrilled to have you back listening to us again. And as always, don't forget to find us on social media at Threaded Together Podcast or at threadedtogetherpodcast.com where you can see what we're working on and keep up with us between podcasts. Just give us a follow. Speaking of our website, threadedtogetherpodcast.com, we had a wonderful question left in the comments for you, Tracy, that corresponds with a rather funny story that just happened. Shall we start with that? Yes, we had a
0: question from Christine um, after I sung the praises of my iron in episode 10. Well, my beloved iron was a Philips Azur each, Um, but it broke. <laughs> more <laughs> more about that later in the episode. Um, I still recommend it, though. It's still a really good iron. It's just it doesn't last forever. But I did get a new one by the warranty of it, which is another Philips Azure iron um, and I'll report back. On how that one behaves.
1: Well, thank you for sharing the details of that with us, Tracy. And I'm curious to hear more about it later in the episode. Um, and as usual, we'll kick off today's episode with what we've been working on in the past month. And Tracy, uh, it's hard for me to not want to introduce your makes from the last month because you've been posting so many photos. And wow, can we start with the sequin dress?
0: <laughs> yes, we can.
1: <laughs> I've finished my sequin dress. And Rebecca, you'll
0: be proud of me. I even shared a picture of it on, on social media. So proud. <laughs> it was real fun to wear. It was like a simple dress shape with a marabou feathered hem. I wanted a sleeveless dress, but with a racer back neckline. And this is where the real beauty of sewing your own clothes comes into play. Because I could design the dress neckline around the bra that I wanted to wear,
1: rather than buying a dress and then endlessly shopping for a bra that would work with a dress shape just another way that we can make our wardrobes more practical and stylish that just makes so much sense I love it absolutely um. And when I was sewing it up, I left
0: a trail of sequins everywhere. <laughs> but it was really, really fun to wear and definitely something I'll wear again, um, which, you know, you must with sequins. And because of the shape of it, it leaves room to alter it in the future to get a different vibe from the same garment. It's such a great shape. Well, have to continue to share
1: photos of it which I know we have been.
0: <laughs> and then I also made a velvet dress. So I wanted to make the fabric godmother peony dress because mm. I made one before, I think I mentioned that in the summer, and the fit on it is super. And so I knew it would make up a beautiful dress and, and would do justice to the the velvet. And in parallel they were running a peony party encouraging everyone to make and share pictures of their peony dresses on Instagram so that was the push I I needed to finish it and mm. there are 12 darts in this dress and Wow! <laughs> against all our advice for picking a simple pattern shape when working a velvet <laughs> but anyway um, and then I decided it would be best to line it as well so 24 darts in total and then about four darts in my beloved iron (laughs) one of my (laughs) most prized possessions (laughs) stop working so for the lining I use my backup iron that had been demoted to the understairs <laughs> cupboard um but for the velvet which doesn't like an iron that much anyway i got the steamer out and um i told you in our last episode that i tracked down a very reasonably priced velvet needle board for use when pressing velvet and that i'd report back on how it worked well let me tell you that's totally amazing so with a pressing cloth a steamer a bit of finger pressing and the needle board i did get some <laughs> some beautiful looking seams oh, that's great <laughs> (laughs) And the needle board is like this canvas board covered with very fine short wire bristles and you use it with the velvet face down onto the needles so that the pile of the velvet isn't crushed when working with the back of the fabric. Um, And because it's on this canvas board, you can put it over a tailor's ham or a sleeve roll if you're working on a curve, and it's a really nice size to sit on your sleeve board. Oh, that's really good to know. Yeah, and it's incredible how well it protects the velvet compared to other methods. And and now I have a a working iron (laughs) again. maybe (laughs) Maybe I'll do a little video to show the different results using it yes please mm-hmm. um but I, as i said before they are expensive and it was only because i found a really reasonably priced one on ebay and i couldn't believe my luck when i spotted it at a fraction of its normal cost in the last episode when we were talking about sewing with velvet we also talked about hand basting seams when mm. sewing up velvet using silk thread which i did And let me tell you, I only ever (laughs) want to sew by hand with thread (laughs) going forward. It's an absolute delight to sew with. There's no tangling. It's really smooth. It's a bit like wax thread, but without having to wax it. It's just really lovely to work with. I also pinked some of the seams to remove the bulk and overlocked a couple of the seams as well. um, Like the ones that were holding the ruffle in place or where Mm -hmm. the lining wasn't protecting it. And I'm really, really, really pleased with the result of it. I did put a couple of pictures up and I'll add some more when I'm glammed up and can do the dress um Actual justice. It's really gorgeous. <laughs> and I'm sure you
1: have plenty of occasions to wear it.
0: <laughs> it's just deciding which one. And finally, I said I'd work on a brocade dress and that's cut out. So I'm hoping to have that complete for a soiree next week. So not bad on the list
1: of items that I said I'd sew up. <laughs> not bad at all. And congratulations on having a project that's sewn with, did you get all of them? All of the fabrics we mentioned in last month's episode? <laughs> (laughs) There was no lame. So there we go. (laughs) Ah, okay. well, I did finish a few things this last month. And one of the things was I did finish a pair of trousers made out of metallic tweed. So not quite lame, um, but I thought they'd be delightful for the holidays. And it's such a strange fabric. The tweed is really lightweight and drapes beautifully, but it does not hold a press at all. So instead to hold the shapes I wanted and to keep the seams flat, I ended up top stitching and under stitching all of the seams, which was virtually impossible to see in the fabric because it's just so shiny and reflects all the light. But at least doing that kept the shape really nicely. I also remade a blouse that was one of my favorites this last year from a pattern that I had created and i had also top stitched the seam allowance on that blouse which was both an easy way to finish the seams and to add some detail to it but it ended up being really hard to see on the fabric which happened to be a boucle and actually mm-hmm. that top stitching was your idea tracy so thank mm-hmm. you for that so since you couldn't see any of this decorative stitching that i had done i ended up adding a blanket stitch with some cotton yarn in contrasting colors to make it more interesting interesting. interesting definitely not a sequin dress but I'm starting to feel much more back in the practice of sewing and ready for my next sewing challenge more so than I have been probably last couple of months excellent so today is our 12th episode one full year almost since starting (laughs) the podcast and I thought it might be nice to go back to the origins of the podcast for a moment Tracy, we met doing a couture sewing course at Central St. Martins and had this very lively WhatsApp chat going where we're sharing all of these resources that we couldn't find compiled elsewhere. Yeah, that's right. And then along the way, we discovered that you and I are both massive fashion history buffs in our own way. Uh, You perhaps more so as a classicist, let's say, or (laughs) early 20th century fashion. And then I'm both more of a late 20th century fashion to modern fashion history buff. But together, we've been learning about all of the history before and since and in between. That's right. And we also discovered that we both
0: have a background study maths which I don't think is very common (laughs) but also makes us both lovers of pattern drafting it also I think gives us the patience to study um, a historical pattern which were much more complex in their study of the human body and the considerations it took to form the shapes that
1: ultimately ended up influencing modern fashion today Indeed. And for more on how we met in that amazing couture jacket making course, we actually did an episode on that back in episode six of this season. Mm-hmm. This podcast has been such a joy these past 12 months. And we're so thankful to you, our listeners. We're so happy to hear your feedback and know that you are enjoying listening to us as much as we love making this podcast. <laughs> been getting so much amazing
0: feedback lately. Thank you. And if you haven't done so, Of course, we'd always love a five star review and any feedback that you have.
1: We love hearing from you so much that we'll officially be launching a monthly newsletter in 2024 so that we have a better avenue to reach you directly and get your feedback input into episode topics and be able to share more behind the scenes photos because we do get a little shy sometimes sharing our projects (laughs) on social media.
0: definitely guilty we're so happy to know that we have listeners all around the globe and to name a few of the countries where we have listeners we have listeners in the uk and the us and ireland and canada and switzerland and the netherlands and germany and belgium and sweden and france
1: wow and we plan on going even more global in 2024 so thank you so much for listening the end of the year is when many makers and sewists review what they've made all year and marvel at their accomplishments tracy we should join in on that as well don't you think what have you made this year and what was your favorite make
0: okay so reviewing what i've made in 2023 and now just as a caveat to this we're recording this a few weeks short of the end of uh, of of the year, so maybe I can squeeze one more in before the end of the year. Um, so I have made twenty four items, of which two were for other people. Um, that's a distinct lack of selfless sewing going on there. <laughs> Eight were dresses, three or four were coats and jackets, two skirts, one jumpsuit, one top, one shirt, one pair of jeans, one pair of jogging bottoms, and three pullovers or sweatshirts. Wow of which my absolute most worn are the the pullovers or sweatshirts mm. and I think that's because I made them at the start of the year so they had the most opportunity to be worn but they're absolutely the best to be worn like in the winter months with layers underneath and in the summer when it's cooler in the evenings with like no layers or less layers underneath um mm. and so they, they're just like really lovely and <laughs> I'm so happy I made them um but my favorite make I guess has to be my not quite finished yet Freddie jacket and honestly it's such a beautiful sew and I can't wait to get back to it to finish it up it's really 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 enjoyable to and I'm so excited and
1: confident in the final result that's such a great feeling and it's so beautiful and I know we've discussed what outerwear people both you and I are so I think it's no surprise that both of us likely have jackets as our favorite makes and what about you Rebecca what have you made this year and what was your favorite So I love doing this by the numbers thing. So I'm going to lump in a few things I'm super close to finishing. Also trying to be optimistic about the end of the year and that they'll actually get completed. I have made 28 items this year, but out of those, nine of them were crocheted Mm -hmm. and two of them were knit items. And one of them was a combination of both knitting and crochet. Mm. Of the remaining 15 items, I cut and sewed five jackets three jumpsuits, two pairs of shorts, three tops, and three pairs of trousers. Usually my favorite make is whatever I've made most recently, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I do have a clear most worn item in a pair of blue trousers. And that top that I mentioned that I've now remade multiple times since I wear them so often, I even had forgotten and thought I made the blue trousers last year because I've just gotten so much wear in, but they were also made at the beginning of the year. So similar to your hoodie, lots of opportunities to wear them. Mm -hmm. And
0: your blue trousers, just to say, are the most striking, incredible trousers. You have to share more pictures of them.
1: Oh, thanks, Tracy. (laughs) They also got shrunk in the wash because I (laughs) (laughs) didn't shrink my fabric but they still fit great so it's okay my favorite thing to make was also my most challenging which is definitely the dior inspired jacket simply because i learned so much now the entire year of sewing wasn't all sunshine and roses uh tracy what was your most challenging or toughest make of the year Okay, so for
0: me, the toughest make was the dress that I made for Ascot. Not the dress itself, more the fact that I'd committed to it, had a hat pound around the fabric, didn't have a backup plan, did multiple (laughs) twirls, cut it a little fine. I was happy with the end result, but... I don't want to put that pressure on myself again. (laughs) And even with my sequin dress for my husband's birthday party, I had a backup outfit in mind and it just takes the pressure off.
1: And that fabric that you were using for the ascot dress was silk as well, which is (laughs) incredibly challenging. Not to mention deadlines and putting pressure on things really does spoil some of the fun and experimentation, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. What was your toughest make For me, it was absolutely the Dior inspired jacket since I had to learn how to do the padding, struggle through all of the couture techniques, which just require a lot of practice. Um, That's the only thing that will get you better at them. And it was overall just a lot to undertake, but I stand by that I'm a different sewist after making that piece. So the challenge and the struggle I think was definitely worth it.
0: I've so enjoyed all our subjects on the podcast this year. And I think all the research we have put into it has really upped my sewing game. So let's talk about our favorite learnings. And it's really hard to come up with a short list, but I know that wherever the opportunity presents itself now, I will use silk organza. So for my fabric godmother peony dress, I used silk organza for the sleeve puff and um we did have a dedicated episode to silk organza that was our second episode of the season and then where the occasion demands it i will hanzo and that's something that i will try and bypass where possible but it does really make the difference and we discussed couture techniques a lot in this last year And we haven't really dedicated an episode to them specifically. And maybe that's something we need to do in
1: 2024. Agreed. What a great idea, Tracy. I feel like I learn something from every episode that we do. And every time we discuss different ways of doing things, which is one of my favorite parts of the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. In terms of favorite learnings, Silk Organza has absolutely been a favorite of mine too. Keep finding new ways to use it. I also do a lot more hem and seam finishing experimentation than I used to because of all of the different strategies we've discussed over the year, especially in episode five, where we discussed so many different hemming techniques. So that's Mm -hmm. another favorite learning of mine. I also still love your pajama pants as a good first making tip, Tracy. That Mm -hmm. makes me laugh every time I think Mm -hmm. about it, even though I'm very far past my first make. I think we can learn something about wearing things around our house in case they fall apart (laughs) (laughs) on the first wear. And we discussed our experiences learning to sew in our ninth episode this season. And I have to say from an entertainment standpoint, it's absolutely one of my favorite episodes to re-listen to.
0: So in 2023, as well, we made a concerted effort to see as many fashion exhibits as possible, <laughs> both <laughs> individually and together. We even dedicated our 10th episode to all the exhibits we went to in London in autumn, and it was a visual delight and such an amazing source of inspiration. So in 2024, I know I have lots of exhibits on my list. What about you, Rebecca?
1: There are already so many that have opened, Tracy, that we're just itching to get to. And I think we're on the same page about where some of those are. <laughs> I know I need to get to the Dior exhibit at their headquarters in Paris. Tracy, I know you've already been, but that yep. one is definitely on my list. Yep, yep. There's also an exhibit featuring um, Azzedine Alaia and Madame Grey in Paris that only goes until the 11th of February, which is on our list, as well as the Iris Van Herpen exhibition at the Museum of Decorative Arts. I'm going to butcher the French, <laughs> uh, which is also in Paris running until the 28th of April. It sounds like a trip to Paris is in order. Indeed, we need to go to Paris.
0: (laughs) A phenomenal and overdue exhibit just launched at the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art called women dressing women which is a dedication to the far too few women designers throughout modern history sadly i don't think i'll make it to new york <laughs> before it finishes on march the 3rd in 24 however i'm considering adding the book that accompanies the collection to um my my book shelf
1: I'm so I'm so disappointed we both won't be able to see that exhibit because there's a rather phenomenal scathing review, not of the collection itself, but in the timing and the absolute lack of women designers in modern fashion, which is really interesting. I think it's on the New York Times website or New York Magazine. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes, but definitely looks like a great exhibit
0: um so let's talk about new year's resolutions 2024 sewing resolutions (laughs) okay so my 2024 sewing resolution is to be more realistic about what i can sew and also to work through my stash um So I think my problem is that the number of things that I want to make is more than is achievable. And in 2022 and 23, I've kept a good list of what I've made and it's always around 20 to 24 items a year. So let's call it an average of two a month. And obviously it depends on the month because some months closer to zero and some um i don't know closer to four items i guess it depends on the project and what's going on so what i'd like to do is take those learnings from the last couple of years and just be more realistic about how much i can actually sew and how many projects and i can add to this long list of things i want to make and everything that's already in my stash One of the things we've talked about is capturing ideas so that we can document them and and then move on. And that's probably an episode in itself, but that's something that I'd like to get better at as well. So I guess to summarize, realistic planning of my makes
1: and better management of everything that's already on my list, rather than just adding new items. I'm curious, Tracy, how many items are in your stash (laughs) as well as on your backlog? Because 20 to 24 items a year... an item every other two weeks almost is phenomenal the stash is quite big yeah it definitely needs reducing now for my personal curiosity is it (laughs) patterns
0: um i always typically will buy um a fabric with a pattern in mind and sometimes i buy the fabric and the pattern at the same time Mm, okay and then (laughs) but sometimes then the season will change or something I'm working on will take longer or whatever uh, what's the, what's on your
1: 2024 saying resolution list Rebecca well I I'd like to put a, a soft emphasis on resolutions <laughs> I'm not a big resolution person because I don't ever want to disappoint myself however um Tracy I've told you that I had to go through all of my google photos make a spreadsheet and do a nice little pivot table to even figure out what the heck I made this year so that leads me to I guess my first resolution that I have for next year, which is to make a Trello board to at least track what I have made. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of social media and content management in Airtable. So adding that in and making a backlog, maybe a management system of my makes, as unexciting as that is, would be helpful to get a better understanding of what's on my plate and help me to manage what I'm working on. I also was like, "Ooh, then I can time box how long it takes me to do things." You know, I was like, "No, no."
0: My first first draft of mine was like literally like backlog management of like, and I was like, "No, no, come on, Tracy."
1: I know, I know. It's like both you and I are like we know how to do this. Why can't I? Why can't I manage this room, the backlog, (laughs) in the
0: same way that
1: (laughs) it's whimsical? But I do need to. I do need to write down what I make. I
0: think it's a really good thing to keep um, a list of what you make. Yeah. Because I, uh, since I've started keeping a list, I can reflect on it and be like, oh yeah, I actually do quite a lot. Um, and there's, and if I go back a few years where I wasn't keeping a list, I, it's just what I remember from. Yeah that period of time so yeah and you can also see how far you've come when you look at the projects and-
1: another big resolution for me that I think the first resolution will help me with is working through more upcycling projects in 2024 mm-hmm. I love the design ideation process so sometimes more practical projects to make better use of things I already own aren't quite as appealing or as high a priority so I want to tackle more of those and then the last sewing resolution I have is to focus more on why why I'm making what I'm making and to make sure that that focus is in the right place. I'd spent months on that yellow version of the Dior jacket. I have been constantly talking about, I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about it, but I, I realized the other day that while I got really caught up in learning the couture techniques and everything about that Dior jacket the original idea had just been to upcycle a blanket into a simple version. So I finally got started on that. And it's so easy to get distracted by, you know, social media and quick makes and lose focus on making unique items just for yourself. So that's something I want to keep in the forefront of my thoughts in 2024.
0: Okay, so let's talk about skills we want to learn or things we want to make in 2024. Okay, so for me, a long-standing item that I've wanted to do, and I've mentioned this before, is draft the Charles James The Green Dress. That yes. I've, spoke, I've spoken about multiple times, and I think that maybe 2024
1: is the year for that. I can't wait to see that. I vote that that's a top one on the Tracy to-do list. <laughs> what What else do you have on your make list? Um,
0: okay, so I've also lusted after the trend passions tpc 29 oversized coat and since i first saw it made up they had this sample version in pink and this pink has stuck in my mind literally for like 18 months or something and i've been on the lookout for a nice pink wool to make it in and i finally got my hands on some in with a nice black friday discount and Ooh. so it that's definitely something i want to make next year i think early next year
1: we will definitely link that because i have clicked on the link and taken a look at the pattern it's absolutely gorgeous and i mean i i have been obsessed
0: by this i bought the lining for about 18 months ago
1: <laughs> in the hope that
0: i'd find this perfect <laughs> pink wool. So yeah, I'm very excited. And then I've really, I mean, I keep going on about it, but I've really, really, really loved making the Bella Loves Patterns Freddy jacket and the instructions and the techniques. And I've learned and practiced like so much with that make. Um, And so I would definitely be keen um, to make a couple more of her patterns because she's got a nice um, jacket and trousers and a few things that are really quite appealing. That
1: sounds fantastic. I love Mm -hmm. makes where you get to learn a lot along the way as well. So what about you, Rebecca? What's on your to do for 2024? Hmm. So things I want to learn how to make in 2024, let's see, I dedicated 2023 to my most worn and loved items, so primarily jackets and trousers, and that really came to fruition in a very nice way. In 2024, I want to tackle something that I seem to shy away from, which is kind of funny, which is dresses, Ooh. all kinds of dresses. yeah. I think there's almost like too many possibilities and freedom in dress designs, which is maybe why I find them a bit more intimidating than tailored shapes. Mm-hmm. So that's my 2024 skill. I like to acquire more of dressmaking. Marvelous. That sounds great. I
0: look forward to seeing these makes. Okay. So looking ahead to 2024, is there anything trend-wise that you are seeing, Rebecca, that we need to be aware
1: of? Just By our lengthy discussion in our last episode about festive fashion trends, when I look at the spring 2024 runways, honestly, I'm underwhelmed. So many houses underwent massive shifts this past year, not in a good way. And a lot of the fashion is just feeling really uninspired. I, I also think it's been a challenging year politically. And I think everyone is pretty tentative going into 2024 about their outlook, which makes a lot of sense. And in uncertain times, I think there's so much room for fashion and the art form of garment making to both provide escapism, hope, and of course, a great statement about the future that we'd like to create. To me, the biggest trend of 2024 is going to be about making that statement and being Proactive shaping our future. So I think we're already on board with that trend by engaging in the very arguably political act of making our own clothes. Whether or not it's intentionally thought about during the process, we're stepping outside of the norms of this heavily patriarchal capitalistic fashion economy and really setting our own terms about what our fashion consumption relationship with our clothes and our body and our self-expression will look like. And that's so very on trend for 2024. And I love that for all of us. (laughs) That's so
0: interesting, but it really sounds like we can carve our own paths with our
1: own personal old styles in 2024 absolutely there's nothing more radical than just being yourself (laughs) (laughs) so continuing with our bold statements of making our own garments what are you working on next tracy
0: (laughs) well when i have finished my
1: brocade
0: dress i will get back to my freddy jacket having had a break from it for all my Christmas and December parties. (laughs) Um party sewing and party going. Exactly. (laughs) I will be happy to get back to it. It's probably January though,
1: but yeah. (laughs) You've had so many parties, Tracy. I absolutely love it. (laughs) Let's see. For me, before the end of the year, I plan on finishing my blanket version of the Dior inspired jacket. It's already cut out and is going to be way easier to construct because it's there's no lining it's a blanket yeah and I have a few festive I think you call them fancy dress occasions and looks in the works for the new year so stay tuned for those that,
0: that sounds exciting I look forward to that okay so speaking of the new year we already have our next episode picked
1: out and it's a great one to kick off the new year We will be discussing ways to approach sustainability in our own projects from sourcing sustainable materials to upcycling and ways to get more use out of the garments already in your wardrobe. It's a topic that, of course, can and should be applied to the runways and emerging designers, and we cannot wait to share it with all of you. Before our next episode,
0: if you have any thoughts, ideas or questions for us, you can always find us on social media at Threaded Together Podcast.
1: In the meantime, I'm Tracy And I'm Rebecca. And this has been...
0: The Threaded Together Podcast.
1: Threaded Together Podcast. See you next time. We'll see you in January. (laughs) Looking
0: forward to our next episode in a month. Make sure you give us a thumbs up on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify. You can find more details on what we discussed today in the show notes below or on threadedtogetherpodcast.com. And for more behind the scenes and regular updates, you can find us on all social media channels at threadedtogetherpodcast.